Okay, welcome to another episode of Creative Outcomes, where we talk all things agency M&A. I am joined today, of course, by Meredith Pickrell and also a special guest, another one of the partners at Upsourced, Ryan Baker. Uh, we've got a, a fun episode today, uh, and, and in it, we're going we're gonna to discuss and take down the concept of profit first. And so uh, profit first is probably uh, one of these things, these frameworks you've heard uh, out in the sort of agency zeitgeist around getting to um, getting to profitability. And, and let me tell you, there's no shortage of passion around this profit first methodology within the upsource office. Quite frankly, most of it pretty negative. Um, and so we wanted to take devote some time in this video to talking about why we think this is not a particularly good fit for most of the agencies that we would work with. Uh, so with that, before we get into all the reasons why this isn't maybe a good fit, can somebody tell me, Meredith or Baker, what is Profit First in the first place? What is this thing? I'll take that. Um, so Profit First is a book that uh, was written by Mike Michalowicz. Um, so it's this concept that you that business owners take the profit out of the business before they pay themselves, they pay taxes, they pay expenses. So they look at the money coming in. They take a portion of that as immediately puts that aside for a profit and then um, uses what's left over to pay themselves and various other things. So how this works is you have revenue, um, then you take a percentage of the revenue, put it aside as profit, then you take another percentage, put it aside as your owner compensation and then taxes, and then you have this bucket of money left over to pay expenses. Functionally, you set up a lot of different bank accounts and you do these transfers to, between the various different bank accounts. Um, and the concept is like money is like out of sight, out of mind. So if you're putting it in an account over here, you're not really thinking about it, not really spending it. Um, so the overall idea is if there's less cash available in your operating expense checking account, you're going to spend less on operating expenses. Got it. Sense? Interesting. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I mean, to be honest with you, it sounds like a lot of, um, family budgeting techniques that I'm aware yeah. of. So I get why this was written. And I mean, to some degree, it like makes a little bit of intuitive sense. So I don't know, why is this so bad? I mean, is this is this meant for a specific audience? Or what? what's the take there, Baker? Yeah, I think it could certainly be good for uh, a specific kind of business. And, and I would think about that as a very new business that, that did not have very sophisticated uh, accounting measures, right? And so um, you know, I, I've got a five-year-old daughter and when she was first learning to ride a bike, we didn't throw her on the two-wheeler. You, you put the, two, the training wheels on there and you've got these, this very rigid structure that, that keeps you from, uh, from tilting too far one way or the other way and, and falling. And, and that's great when you're learning to ride a bike, but um, it also has its limitations in terms of how fast can you go? Can you actually learn to ride a bike uh, in the real way? Well, eventually... Um, the answer becomes no, but so I think it would certainly be uh, fair to say as, as starting out, um, it, it can be a nice uh, safety net. Um, I, uh, we if make it maybe in more financial terms. Uh, we used to have to get um, what we called the bingo jar for uh, my grandmother because she would win money at bingo. And we had to implement kind of a profit first uh, system with her because she would win $136 and then for weeks she would buy every single one of her 17 grandchildren anything that they wanted because she wanted bingo. And we started going, hey, Grandma, you wrote a lot of checks that are going to bounce. Um, and so we got her a jar and it said Grandma's bingo jar and we made her you know, put the cash. You put yeah. the cash in the jar and then when you want to use the bingo winnings, 
you reach your hand in the jar. And when the, your hand hits the bottom, um, you got to go win again, <laughs> basically. Yep. And, and that's, that's kind of, I think, a good representation of what Profit First can save you from, right? It's, 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 it's allowing you to sort of very specifically visualize how, how much money you want to take for profit and how much money you want to spend. Um, so it, it, it's definitely... And it prevents you from overspending, just like it prevents grandma from yeah. hitting the bank on the floor <laughs> too many times. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so it's discipline, and I get that, right? I mean, there, there's, there's, you know, certainly we've uh, we've met a number of businesses that can uh, benefit from the concept of discipline, but you know, obviously, we feel pretty strongly that it, there are some downsides to this framework for to this uh, sort of artificial discipline uh, for you know more mature, growing uh, agencies. And so, I don't know. Can you talk a little bit about why having training wheels? as a teenager or an adult, you know, or, or why the bingo jar maybe isn't the right answer for uh, a more mature business. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think even if we were to roll that, that bingo analogy forward, maybe one more notch is um, as businesses grow and, and expand and become more complicated, it's, it's not as simple as a jar, right? So, so even, you know, the bingo hall was paying grandma in real time on the way out the door. But, but let's say for instance, you know, a lot of businesses are not getting paid the moment they do the work. Uh, if they, if they, if the bingo hall would have started paying grandma net 30, uh, this jar wouldn't have worked as well. Like maybe she could have, uh, taken me to red lobster, uh, because she won two weeks ago, but, but bingo wasn't going to pay her out for two more weeks. Well, yep. this profit first, uh, system would not allow her to take me to Red Lobster. So for, for that, uh, you know, example, that would bum me out, right? And if yeah. we just, if we go back to the business, like there are um, just a lot of limitations to physically having to see cash in a certain place that once you've, you know, if, even if, once you've even graduated, if you go back to the personal household budget, a, a budget where you've got, you know, you're tracking your income and expenses, um, you, you don't necessarily need to check on the bank account to see. And, the, and then if you do, it could be, it could lead you astray, right? You could have a big uh, deposit that's coming in tomorrow. Um, and, and maybe you've got a decision that you need to make today. And so I think when you get into that situation, uh, now you, you might be delaying a really important business decision based on looking in your operating account um, when in 24 hours you would have made a different decision. And so I think at that point, you start to hinder your ability to, to grow in the way you want to grow. You, you start yeah. to limit the amount of profit that you can make because uh, you know, you, you're stuck on this number. And so I think just there's a, there's a lot of sort of roadblocks that start to come up if you're following this rigid system that you use to get started, that maybe it's time to insert something uh, that represents a little more of the, uh, as Hannah would call it, the big girl bike. Can I yeah. also say that it's like an, a total administrative nightmare for to have all of these <laughs> yeah. different bank accounts? Let's be honest, that's and one like, of the reasons we hate it. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a business owner that's wearing a bunch of different hats and like, and you're transferring money to 15, like literally 15 bank accounts. I know, which is totally madness. But and 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 truly, that you know, that is it is complete madness. But I I also think Baker, you you made a good a couple of points that I think people um, underestimate the power of, which is you cap profit for again. It's like if you can't save yourself from yourself, if you're an undisciplined business owner, then yeah, profit first forces you to save money in um, you know intentional way, but. 
when you're over the million dollar mark, like that game is over. Like you've either figured that out or you've gone out of business. And then profit first just becomes a governor on your growth, right? Like mm-hmm. you, if you understand that investing a dollar today generates two or three dollars tomorrow because you've done it a bunch of times and you you've like you understand the ROI, then there are a number of times that agencies and other businesses might choose to accept a lower gross or net margin in order to grow their top line that they know on a sort of a normalized basis is going to generate appropriate levels of profit. Profit first would never allow you to do that. And that's, right. that's silly, right? The other thing that profit first does is like we have, I mean, the, there is no like magic profit number, right? We right. have agencies who have good pricing power, who are able to earn outsized net margins. And when you sort of arbitrarily say my profit's going to be 20%, for instance, you don't really offer yourself the opportunity to earn more than that, right? Because you ultimately you've set aside all the other money to spend. And when you do that, you spend it. And so again, you sort of artificially cap your top line growth and you sometimes artificially cap your bottom line. And that's unnecessary at this stage. So, but I agree. Okay. Um, So then, okay, fine. Profit first makes a lot of sense for a small business, makes increasingly less sense for a larger, more sophisticated business. We've explained all the reasons why. So I don't know, let's say I am one of those larger, sophisticated businesses. What should I be doing instead? Okay. It's not profit first. Then what is it? Yeah. So it's kind of like the transition from cash to accrual basis. And I'll talk a little bit more about this, but like once you hit that like seven figure, like once you're crossing over a million dollars, it's, you're no longer just this like bootstrapping business. You've got to be able to make decisions in real time, like Ryan was saying. Um, So introducing the concept of cash is pretty simple. Cash comes in the door, cash goes out the door, that it is what it is. It's, it's there in the bank account. But when we talk about accrual, it's based on when the work is performed and when the expense is incurred. So let's say you have a 12-month project and you receive all of that project money in in December, but it's going to last for all of the rest of the year. Well, you're not really, you shouldn't be recognizing all of that cash in December. It needs to be spread out over the the next 11 months because um, you're going to have to pay people for that work that's being performed over the next 11 months. So that is essentially a cruel basis, recognizing that income and recognizing expense um, in the month that they were incurred. Um, And that's going to ultimately tell us like how well we're doing as a company. Like if the cash is there, if we're making decisions based off of, um, you know, our accrual basis numbers, then the cash is going to be there. We're going to be able to grow the business. Um, So, yeah. 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 And so then, yeah, of course, when you have accrual based financials, you can actually calculate gross margin and you can calculate all sorts of KPIs that are relevant to whatever the ultimate goals are of your business. And so your two collective points, you're not just making decisions based on chunky cash flow right. uh, that an agency often sees. Yeah. And, and I think we certainly understand like why that can be a little scary or, or unnerving uh, to, to someone who it's kind of like, you know, taking off in an airplane, right? Like that is scarier than, than driving. Cause we don't really all the way understand uh, how those work, but like, They've been working for a long time, and so at some point you trust it. And, and accounting is kind of the same way. It's like, well, but yeah, but how much money do I really have? And um, <laughs> it's just because I can't, you know, you, yeah. you would need to be an accountant to know it. Like, it, yeah. it isn't just something anybody can do. Yeah. And so that's why you know we're very passionate about it because we we spent a lot of years getting really good at it. But yeah. I certainly understand why if if you're making that shift, there's a trust that has to be built up uh, in order to, to trust the accountant that you're working with. And that, that piece is really important, um, because it can't be 
perfect just because you hired somebody. Like you want to be working with somebody you trust and, and, and can grow with. Yep. Yep. Got it. Okay, cool. All right. Well then, so I guess the punchline here is profit first, not all terrible, not all bad. I'm sure there was, it's, it's very helpful and useful for the right kinds of businesses. However, the vast majority of the agencies that we work with every day and those certainly that are, are either on the path or want to visualize themselves on the path to some kind of liquidity event, it's not appropriate. Certainly an acquirer is not going to pick up your balance sheet, see 15 bank accounts and get a bunch of uh, um, confidence <laughs> out of what the system that we built. So um, anyways, thanks, Meredith. Thanks, Baker, for helping us um, you know, break down the sort of uh, really, really on uh, profit first. Cool. Absolutely. Cool. Happy to do it. All right. Until next time. See ya.